Okay. So today we're going to go into a very um, necessary conversation um, about covenants and obligations. And um, we're going to try to take our time because it's a sensitive subject and we need to bring light to what these two words mean because frankly we're all in some kind of covenant and in all and in some kind of obligation whether we willingly or unwillingly uh, know it and so hopefully today's conversation will help you to take inventory of your commitments um, whether they be default or whether they be deliberate and just make sure that you're in what you think you're in and that you're not in what you don't want to be in. So let's take our journey. Um, now this sounds like a legal conversation because, well, it is. Um, when we talk about covenants and, and obligations, we're talking about, we're, we're literally having a legal conversation um, because the word legal and loyal are the same word. So if we desire loyalty, or if we want to be in a loyal relationship, um, then we're going to automatically be in a, um, hold on, let me just check something here. I just want to make sure that we are recording. <clears throat> Bear with me one second, everyone. I'm sorry. It does seem that it's recording on the screen. If we're going to be in a loyal, we, we talk about loyalty a lot. You know, I want a loyal husband. I want my children to be loyal. Loyalty and legality are the same word when we look from the etymology, which the root or the, the place where that word came from. So it, by definition, it says that the legal, the word legal is identical to the word loyal, identical with legal, which maintains the Latin form in most cases, use, uses, it has displaced Middle English leal, which is an older borrowing of the French word. For the twinning, compare royal and, and regal in the sense development English is in, uh, development in English is feudal via notion of faithful in carrying out legal obligations conformable to the laws of honor. So in order for you to have a loyal family member, there has to be a legal bind. Um, <clears throat> when you have a child, the birth certificate is the legal bind. Now the spirit of loyalty used to be developed because children used to come up in the profession of their parents. You have the Baker family, they probably baked. You have the blacksmith family, they probably were blacksmiths. Um, so the name even of the families or the profession of the families helped the families to teach the children the trade. And so there was a bond and a loyalty because legally the children were intertwined with the process of the family. We don't have that now in America. What we have in America is the parent is doing one profession, leaves the child all day, comes back. The child is a stranger. Child is at daycare, the child is at school. You come in six o'clock at night, you hardly know your child. You, the, the child doesn't even know what the parents do. 
I didn't know what my mother did until I was an adult. Really didn't know. So in order for loyalty to be established, there needs to be a legal establishment, which is the paperwork that allows you to have rights, the paperwork that allows you to have a say, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of those loose ends that we have, they need to be tightened up so that we can literally um, have the loyalty or at least attempt to have the loyalty from each other, um, from our mates, from our children, et cetera, because what we have in place is not that. We have assumptions and emotional contracts. We don't have anything legal, and but we, we desire from these, um, these emotional contracts to extract loyalty. And we get exactly what it is that we should get, which is disloyalty, disconnection, um, because things are just not in place. Um, and this is not a criticism. This is actually what sparked even um, bringing this topic up is just some of my own personal experiences and realizing that something has to give. Something has to give to get a better result. And so this is our attempt to look at these things and be deliberate in trying to get better results out of the people we engage with um, and reevaluate those contracts. So the reason why this topic sounds like it has a, um, a legal spin when we start talking about the words covenants and obligation um, is because life is law, okay? Life is law. Um, and we have to be able to know what type of covenants and contracts we're committing ourselves to. So the word covenant. So it comes from the 1300s of the word uh, covenant, and it says a mutual compact to do or not do something. It's pretty much a contract, a mutual contract. If you are entered into an agreement by assumption, for example, two friends are going to, you know, going to business together. That's my friend. If those two friends don't determine or discuss the terms and put it on paper and agree, you have a, a, a friendship that's on the line because you're doing things because of your friendship then the money comes in and one person did more work than the other. One person put more time into the other. And then you hear this word, well, technically, and that's where, technically, I did all the work, okay? If you technically, legally wrote down what you were agreeing to, then the loyalty will follow because on paper, we're doing 50-50. I am going to do all of the painting. You're going to do the power washing. You power wash, I'll come a day later, I'll paint. When we get the money, we split it down the middle. You have an agreement. We don't typically enter that. We typically do things off of what? 
off of the strength of the relationship, off of the strength of the friendship, off of the strength. And there's no strength because there's no legality. So there's no loyalty. It goes on to say, an agreement, pact, or promise. Originally, present participle of covenir, agree, meet from the Latin convenir, come together, unite, be suitable, agree. So <clears throat> last night we had a prayer and we talked about being in covenant and how important it is. And we'll cover that further down the line, but think about it as we go through in these definitions and think to yourself, as you enter into any covenant with anyone, what is it that you are going to bring to the table? Because how can you possibly enter into a covenant and you're bringing nothing to the table? What are your expectations? What do you want from the table? Write it down. Agree. Sign. Covenants create obligations. So in between covenant and obligation, there's accountability. You have what you agree. The covenant will hold you accountable. Now, here's the funny thing, right? In every covenant or contract, there is a non-performance clause. This is what happens if you don't do it. If you have a partnership and monies is inside of an account that both of you need to sign off on before monies can be moved around, and the terms of the agreement are not being kept, you have a clause that says if you don't agree when you have an issue, then you can go to the court or you go to an arbitrator or you know whatever you agree in our case we may go to a tribunal where we govern and we pick judge of uh, uh, balanced people to sit and to judge um, depending on where we take this vision I know where the father's given the vision but I don't know all who will be on board but if the vision goes according to how it's given you have all these families and members of the families can be elected to sit in these situations of judgment, to sit in these positions of leadership, to sit in these positions of legislation, et cetera, et cetera. So your interests can be protected or considered because of the various families, members of the families will be voted and put in positions. We can arbitrate our own situations. You don't have to go to the enemy. But you respect the organization that you have covenanted with. So covenant accountability. You can hold yourself accountable, means you're an honorable person. Or you can be held accountable by the tribunal. Or you can go to the enemy and be held accountable. But any way you cut it, accountability, whether it's by yourself, by your faith, or by the enemy, is a part of making sure that covenants and agreements are enforceable. So 
the obligation, which means a binding pledge. I'm going to do it. Commitment to fulfill a promise or meet the conditions of a bargain. So in our case or in your case with yourself, you made a promise to someone. They made a promise to you holding yourself accountable. I'm going to power wash. So I'm going to be on time. I'm going to use the right materials. I'm going to make sure that I notify you. I'm going to communicate so you can come and paint. In our community, there is a lack of accountability. There is a lack of covenants. There's a lack of follow through. There's a lack of communication. There's a lack of understanding. This exists in the relationship between parents and children, the relationship between business partners, the relationship between man and wife, the relationship between girlfriends, the relationship between homeboys, because we are not honorable. So we don't believe that the things that we say we have to do. We have no obligation. We have no accountability. We make contracts and covenants that we have no intentions to keep. Totally unacceptable. We create emotional attachment contracts. Emotional attachments are not covenants or obligations. You know, that's my best friend, and so I'm going to do that for her. Who said you have to do that? Did y'all agree to that? No, but you know, or sometimes some of us, especially if you're empathetic, you don't want to charge people for certain things. You're like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable charging them. So you do things that you should charge for, but you feel a sense of obligation. You feel a sense of commitment. Y'all in agree. How much you going to charge me? Ah, you know. Don't worry about it. You know you need the money. Say, yeah, I'll charge you this price. In our community, when money comes up, especially when someone has to pay money, they have an attitude. Because they have entitlement issues. That's Entitlement is not a covenant. Emotions are not a covenant. I don't owe you something because my skin color is the same color as yours. I don't owe you something because we're from the same neighborhood. I don't owe you something because we believe in the same creator. But because of entitlement, you have people obligating other people to contracts that they never agree to and have the nerve to be upset. If someone has a business, you are not entitled to get free service from their business. You are being presumptuous. Back in the day, I remember my grandmother, I put together an event in Brooklyn. I think I was maybe 19 or 20, whichever age. And I remember my grandmother came and she paid at the door. And I was like, Randy, what are you doing? And she said to me, because I want you to succeed. Granny. Then the homeboys from around the way came. What did they want? They want to get in for free. I said, my grandmother paid. 
So we have to remove ourselves from this mentality where we cannot wait to get over. We cannot wait to use someone off of the strength of, yeah, you know, because the same God or, yeah, man, that's my, no one owes you anything. No one is obligated unless you enter into a covenant. So emotional attachments are not covenants or obligations. Even the creator who we pretty much owe gives you the free will to contract or to refuse a contract. That's how he operates. Choose you this day, which will you do? Choose life, choose death. He puts the words in front of you, gives you the uh, uh, ability to agree or disagree. Here's the example. Exodus 24, verse 1 to 4. Um, and he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nabad and Abu, Abu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord had said we will do. No one obligated them. <clears throat> Notice he read the law to them. This is what <clears throat> the contract is. Okay, yeah, we like it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do it. In this society that we live in, you usually find out about the laws you break after. Like when you go through that light and you see that flash and you know they got your plate. They send you a ticket in the mail. They never informed you, hey guys, we just want to let you know at the corner of Avenue A and Avenue uh, and, and, and uh, Trickster Street, we're going to have a light there. So, you know, be careful. No, you find out after. A lot of the laws in this society, we don't know it. No one sits there and reads the laws of their state. So what do you have to get? A lawyer. He studies the laws of your state. You don't know it. But God didn't deal with us like that. He allowed us to hear the words so that we can say, got it. I'm held accountable. The covenants that they have us in and the things that they pull you in the court for, you don't even know. Oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Well, now you know. Here's the ticket. The people said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. Okay. What does that mean? And Moses rolled out all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. He's setting it up. You all going to sign this agreement. How did they sign? 
And Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basin and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. You know, when you read this stuff, if your mind isn't right, it sounds kind of witchcraftish. Some of the people have taken some of these things and they're doing it now on the left. But this is the process that the priests were doing. And he took the book of the covenant and read it. And reiterate. Okay. So yesterday y'all said this. Let me reiterate. He took the blood of the covenant and read it to the audience of the people. And they said, all the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. So you confirmed. Somebody can be like, you know what? I thought about it overnight. I'm good. I don't want to commit. Kind of want to live and do my thing. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord had made with you concerning all these words. That's the signature. Y'all sealed in blood. Boom. That's a serious situation. Y'all want to know why we catching the hell we catching? Because whatever the terms of that agreement is, our forefathers didn't keep it. You want to know why your situation is jacked up and we're the tail and not the head? Because that agreement, that covenant, we didn't keep it. Our forefathers didn't keep it. This was sealed until the Messiah came. So from Exodus all the way to Matthew or Luke, talking about thousands of years later, at least a thousand. They had to change, had to renew, change the covenant. <laughs> because the first covenant had death for disobeying or death for breaking certain covenants punishment you got to bring this animal you got to bring this turtle dove you have to bring this you have to there was a process you had to do that's what our forefathers entered into until the messiah came and he became the sacrifice to ease this covenant and create a bridge for a new one So what makes a covenant binding? Because we have assumption covenants, which are not binding. There's no consideration. There's no paperwork. There's no witness. There's no agreement. What makes a covenant binding? The terms and the, and the, and the promises. What are you going to do? What do you want? What are you going to give? What do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? Where are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Why are we doing this? When are we going to start? All that has to be in the contract. What are going to be the consideration? If there is no consideration, there's no covenant. What has been exchanged? Well, I gave her $100. In the marriage space, back then, it was called a diary. What are you giving to get? No, I just like her. I just think she's cute. What are you giving to get? Today, they give the ring. Back then, you gave the family whatever it is that was requested. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's animals. Consideration. Who are the witnesses? Who 
signed off to say they saw this so that if we have an issue, they can say, yeah, I was there, man, and yep, yep, they, I was there. Yep, that happened when last, yep, Thursday, uh-huh, I was there. <laughs> Life is law. Law is loyalty. If you don't have all of this, that's on you because you're assuming that this person is going to do that because, you know, that's my brother. No, that's on you because your brother can be like, I'm not doing that. And you can't get mad. You can't be like, but you're my brother. Yeah, but I don't want to do it. Now your face is bent up for the rest of the day. Do you have a witness? And then how do you seal the deal? Is it sealed with a signature? Is it sealed with a fingerprint? Is it sealed with a kiss? <laughs> when a man and a woman consummates their marriage after they sign, the intimacy is the consummation. Back in the days, she was a virgin and they kept the sheet after her virginity is broken as the token to be like, yeah, that's the seal. We have the dowry, the sign-off, and we have the evidence that she was a virgin. And you could still enter into um, consummation of your marriage through sex. After you have all your paperwork. Out there in the Hebrew community, they're teaching you that sex immediately is marriage. It is marriage with a blank contract. Anything goes. What are y'all agreeing to? What about verbal contracts? He said that he was going to power wash and then I would come the day after and paint, Your Honor. And I show up and the building is dirty. Do you guys have an agreement? No, but he said that he was going to do it. Do you have a witness? <laughs> yes. It's funny how they do certain things in churches and don't realize that they're actually doing a law. Can I get a witness? That's what that is. That's law. All those people you invite to your wedding are witnesses. None of those people show up at court when you're getting a divorce. To say, uh, Your Honor, I was there 10 years ago, and I just wanted to say that, you know, I paid a lot of money to go to that wedding, and I'm offended <laughs> that y'all breaking up. Do you know how far I had to drive? Nobody interjects. All the people who come to your wedding, oh, you know, there were over 200 people. Well, how many people came to the divorce to stop it? To say, you know what, man, y'all should not. Y'all need to work this situation out. How many people showed up to talk to him or talk to her on your behalf? So the witnesses are an important part of verbal contract and written contract, but you can have a verbal contract and have witnesses and it be confirmed. Um, consideration. What was given? And then how are you going to seal the agreement? Some people have the old uh, handshake. Shook, we shook on it and we had a deal. 
It's the old gentleman's contract. There's also covenants and contracts that you could enter into just by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. For example, you could live in certain states, I believe Connecticut and Massachusetts, and you could live with someone for seven years and y'all married in the eyes of the law. How about that? So you could enter into contracts just by being in the wrong place or the right place at the right time. Um, you know, if a guy dies in his, in his um, woman has been living with him for 10 years and she wants to show up and she can show that, yeah, we, um, we've, you know, everyone knows, you know, we have witnesses. She deserves access to his estate. Relational contract. Let's take this read. It says McNeil introduced the concept of relation, relational contract and showed how all contracts, relational as well as discrete, are formed within rich webs of cultural meaning and that in the course of the performance of contracts, cultural constantly, culture constantly flows into the relations of the parties and shape their expectations as well as their sense of appropriateness. Not all contracts are going to be written. The reason I'm going into this is that you're going to have contracts that are not written, but culturally they are firm. Certain places in Nigeria, you know, they have the cultural agreement, the elders, the witnesses, the cows, y'all married. Now y'all could go to the state and get your, your marriage certificate for the sake of everywhere else. Y'all could do whatever, but they recognize you as married. You do your paperwork according to culture, it's recognized. Um, a buddy of mine was telling me in Israel, you know, they went to Israel and they wanted to buy a lamb for their Passover process. And um, the man that he was buying the sheep from, after they examined the sheep and kind of picked the, the one that they want, and the man's sons identified and the grandson started preparing the lamb, he said that in order for them to enter into the agreement, after they chose now, they sat down together and drank tea. And that tea meant the deal was closed. That's how they did their contracts. Ignoring the always present role of the social matrix in contract, wrote McNeil, is akin to ignoring the role of DNA in the intersection of the parts of a living body. Without the social matrix, all else in contract is not only meaningless, but completely inexplicable. Culture plays into it. American culture has a way of doing it. Certain states have a way of doing it. Certain cultures have a way of doing it. And to be a seasoned man or a seasoned woman, you should learn when you're going into a place how they do things and not impose. Oh, we only drank tea. <laughs> He just gave me the lamb. <laughs> How stupid of him. <laughs> we signed and he, we didn't even sign. We just drank some tea and I took the lamb. They have a really dumb culture. Yeah, you're dishonorable. It doesn't matter if it's written, signed, verbal. You have to keep and hold yourself accountable to the terms. You need the written contract in America. The terms, the promises, the consideration, witnesses, and the seal and signature. The witness can be spirit, 
people and even blood. What? We read it. Blood sealed the covenant between God and the chosen people. Spirit is also a covenant. You can be spiritually bound to someone and that is your covenant. Other people can witness. How do we know that spirit is a witness? There was a scripture, and I may send it to you guys later, if, or if I could find it, maybe somebody could pull it up. There's a scripture where they was telling Christ, the Messiah, something about um, what gave him the authority to speak. And he said, I have two witnesses. He said, Moses witnessed of me. I think he said another part. He said, the spirit bear witness of me and I bear witness of myself. There go your two witnesses. I said, he is cold blooded. Because it says in the scriptures, in the mouth of two or more witnesses, all things should be established. I think that's how he led it. He said, in the mouth of two or more witnesses, every word shall be established. Right? It's like, right. He's like, good. Well, I got two witnesses, the spirit and myself. I think that's when I really started falling in love with the Messiah. Just his answers. Like, I was like, that is cold-blooded because it's true. Because you can bear witness against yourself. If you show up in court, when you give your testimony, they write it down. Your testimony is evidence. And then he said, the spirit bear witness. So there's ways of be, of things being witnessed that are not necessarily someone shows up and notarizing. The spirit bear witness. People bear witness. Blood bear witness. How do we know blood bear witness? Genesis 4, 9, verse 9 to 10, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what has thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cry unto me from the ground. Blood bear witness. First John 5 and 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these agree in one. So water is a witness too. There is a Japanese... Um, scientists who was able to capture the effect of sounds and voices on water positive and negative sounds and voices and words and do you know when he captured the sounds of love positivity good music that the ice when the water congealed was like beautiful snowflakes congealed in the water and the opposite for yelling bad music negativity negative thoughts he even did one where it wasn't even words he even wrote some out and you can see in the water the distorted snowflakes so the water captures the spirit of the conversations and the thoughts and the intent the blood, we know that because forensic, they capture what? We read it. The use of blood in forensic analysis is a method for identifying individuals suspected of committing some kind of crime. The blood bear witness. 
the water bear witness the spirit bear witness so don't think that when you make a covenant you ain't got to keep it <laughs> because you have witnesses let's talk about marriage covenants we have the western boilerplate one you show up to wedding and you just say your vows do you michael take rebecca to be your lawfully wedded wife i do do you michael take i do for better or for worse for richer or for poor till death do us part who keeps those vows nobody because if death do us part was real the divorce rate won't be so high so why covenant yourself moving forward because i know a lot of us didn't know i didn't know don't enter into covenants that someone else wrote because you are obligated to hold yourself accountable but we didn't know so now you know moving forward we try to know what we're agreeing to the western boilerplate these covenants have all the elements of a contract they have the vows the witness the documentation the signature however they don't have the cultural honor and structural reinforcement to keep it not supposed to divorce when you marry if you met the, the vows no judgment right because we all screwed up along the way and for those who haven't screwed up yet praise the most high hopefully you won't but we have agreed to the traditional christian vows and don't keep it so what should you do you should do a prenuptial that word makes people you have broke people mad about prenuptial i'm not signing no prenuptial what are you trying to protect you don't have anything prenuptials are good it just means before you make your vow you have an agreement you have a conversation it's a good everybody should have a prenuptial because without a prenuptial you're going to do a default christian till death do us part covenant and then break it it gives you the potential to discuss your desires hey are you a morning person no, i'm not a morning person don't talk to me till nine okay do you like ham i don't like any shellfish okay cool do you feel like there's roles that men and women like there's male roles and, and female yeah i believe that okay um do you want to live in a tropical climate in a warm climate nobody discussing that you just head over heels oh, i just man i just love her man man she's just so beautiful she's so beautiful oh he's just so handsome nobody's discussing nothing just caught up in your what feelings it makes potential couples discuss the desires that they have while they're courting and then they come up with the terms and then they agree and then they sign off technically you're supposed to sign off before you have a ceremony would you bring in people that's why people come to the altar and get cold feet because y'all should have been signed a contract before you invited the guests you see how backwards this system is? All the guests show up. Oh my God, we're like, we're like the hour late. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we just want to announce that the wedding is off. 
you hear people gasp because the money they paid ain't off. It's ridiculous. Private conversation. Come up with your terms. Agree, witness, sign, notarize, do whatever you have to do. Then celebrate. You can even consummate if you want. There's more steps. Forgive me, right? There's meet the family, talk to the dad. If you guys doing diary, you know, there's steps. But I'm saying you should handle all them steps before you invite all the people to celebrate what you celebrate. Hebrew culture calls the contract a ketubah. And it is a Jewish marriage contract. Is considered an integral part of traditional Jewish marriage and outlines the rights and responsibility of the groom in relation to the bride. What are you going to do? Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure she's here. She does this because that's your woman. American culture, you know, ain't no man, you know, control it. That's your woman. Most real women don't have a problem with their man having that possessive position. I don't really know any real woman that have, I don't care how strong they are. They want their man to be stronger. That's the test, really. They want a man that's strong enough to make them surrender all of that stuff. And I have yet to meet, maybe I'm repellent for that type of backwards feminist foolishness. But most women I know, they don't have a problem with that. But you better come with it because they also got this stuff together and they, they'll they'll dismiss you. So Hebrew culture, that's my woman. So this is what I'm going, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. Most women, you know, if you got a problem with that, you are actually marrying a man. Who wants that? Tobit chapter seven, verse 13 gives us a cultural example of this happening. This is in the Apocrypha. Told most of you guys to get one. Amazon, $10. Best book you'll ever buy online, besides the Bible, which is it's part of the Bible. Okay, Tobit chapter 7, verse 13. It says, uh, Then he called his daughter Sarah, and she came to her father, and he took her by the hand and gave her to be wife to Tobiah, saying, Behold, take her after the law of Moses and lead her away to thy father. And he blessed them. There was no marriage certificate filed. I'm sorry, there was no marriage license. There was no state. The father was the estate. The father was the governor. The father is the one. Then we have this foolishness that we have where your daughter can go behind your back and she can go and, 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 and do whatever she wants. It doesn't work that way. Unless there is no father. But there should be some male that is an accountable male. There may be no accountable males. But in African cultures, in Hebrew cultures, you need to talk to a man of the family and get that honor. But of course, everything is distorted now. We don't even have honorable family members, you know. The family member you meet with was a pervert when she was young. All that kind of foolishness. So it's hard to keep the cultural thing, but we're hoping to break those curses, as, you know, Sister Jabrita always breaks out. We want to break. We have a lot of curses we need to break and 
operate better. So he was telling his son-in-law, lead her away to thy father. And he blessed them. And he called Edna, his wife, and took a paper and did write an instrument of covenant and sealed it. Then they began to eat. They go to sealing. Oh, let's eat and drink. So, son, <laughs> and, and, they, and that's life. We don't have that. We're running down to the state who doesn't have a right to any kind of family government structure. We run down to the state. The state gives you permission, and then you enter into a covenant, you, your woman, and the state as God. And then to get out of that, the state got to give you permission to break it. Don't do it to yourself. Let's look at the parent-child covenant. This should be a natural relationship. Birthed, the blood is a witness. The covenant is in spirit. The stealing is when the child is born, the blood, the placenta. All of this stuff creates this bond. The father has the right to that child. But what happens when you go into this system, into this hospital? The father signs over his rights. The mama and the father sign over the child to the state. And the state puts the child's name on a certificate and be like, property of the state of Georgia. Got your name on it. You know what that means? That means that you just signed the rights over. You don't even realize that. Those are things that shouldn't happen moving forward if we move wisely. Shouldn't happen. Sign your child over. The father has the right to that child because that child came from his loin. It is his seed. Monsanto don't let you play those games. Mons you can't take a Monsanto seed and do what you want to do, but you could take a man's seed and do what you want. He signed off. That's another class for another time. But this shows you how we're in all these covenants. You're in the hospital. You're still drowsy off of whatever they gave you, and they come and sticking a paper in your face, getting a finger, a footprint of your child, and you, oh, yeah, I already signed it. <laughs> what name we going to call the baby? We going to call the baby No Covenant. Because we're not making a covenant with the state just like that. Hold on for a second. Hopefully you guys are laughing at my joke. Anyway, the Ten Commandments give you a structure on how a parent child is supposed to be. Nature gives you a relationship how it's supposed to be. But we're dealing in a society of distortions, distorted thinking, distorted influences. You got the drugs. You have the content out there on social media, the influences. You got the need to survive. You got the environment. You have perversion. You have disconnection. You have selfishness. You have inordinate, which means unrighteous relationships. You got all these things, and this child-parent relationship becomes distorted. So there's an imbalance that is created between this parent and the child. Some children playing parental roles. Some children are rare raising their siblings. Mom and dad going for the weekend. Y'all fending for yourselves. Unbalanced relationships. They're unnatural. And they require outside rules to govern how they're supposed to go. Now, if your child is signed over to the state, the state shows up. Yes, we um we got a call and we just wanted to ask you some questions and ask your child some questions. <laughs> state steps in, like, 
some stuff going on. We need some questions answered. But you have the Ten Commandments, and one of those laws that says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God give thee. That's Exodus 12, 20 and, 15, and 12. Some parents read that, and they reiterate, and they quote that to their child while being dysfunctional and out of order. It is not a one-way covenant. A covenant is a mutual agreement. So as a parent, you also have obligations and terms and conditions. If you're not keeping your part of the bargain as a parent, then how dare you require your child to be enslaved to a covenant with you um, while you're not keeping your portion. Same Bible says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Most times they're not even bringing you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're bringing you up in the nurture and admonition of the state, the admonition of the celebrities on TV, and even worshiping them. They don't bring you up in fearing the Lord. They bring you up as free help. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So in order to have a mutual agreement, both parties need to be held accountable to the terms and conditions. If you are in an unequally yoked covenant, break it and reset it and reaffirm the terms and conditions. And if you entered into it emotionally, then break it because you obligated yourself and holding yourself accountable in a one-way contract. Let's talk a little bit about this Old Covenant and New Covenant and Old Testament and New Testament. There is a lot of misunderstanding about what's going on in that space. A covenant is an agreement. A testament is a will. When you're reading the Old Testament, you're reading what the Father promised to the children of Israel and how that will thy will be done, was played out. When you're reading the New Testament, you're reading what happens after the Messiah was crucified and what his will, because the Father transferred the, uh, the, the chosen to the Son. I don't know if y'all know that. He transferred because the Son took on the adoption of the chosen. He adopted the children because the father was about to annihilate the nation because they what broke the covenant that they said, all that you said we will do. He's like, no, you didn't do it. Let's annihilate them. Wait a minute, dad. Let me step in. I'll take them. Scriptures talk about the adoption of son. I'll take them. They're under the Messiah's jurisdiction. So when the Messiah has a new, he has a will and the will is, all right, I came, I took this burden off for you guys. This is what I want. And so you can now enter into a covenant later. We're not all under no covenant right now. Some of us have a covenant of love. We're practicing that, but the covenant will be established in the future. I'm going to read it to you. Anyone making their face up? Let's unmake it. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. 
It says, Behold, the days come, save the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is in the Old Testament. This is before the Messiah was even on the scene. The days come, I will make a new covenant. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which by covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, save the Lord. So obviously that covenant that Moses did when he sprinkled the blood, he obviously said not according to that covenant because that covenant they broke it. I'm going to make a new covenant with them. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall no more teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them until the greatest of them, save the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. That ain't now. That covenant has not been entered into. What has happened is... The one that you were supposed to be punished for, the Messiah stepped in and took the burden of that and adopted the children under his umbrella. And he now advocates with the father on the behalf of the children. That's what happened. So are you in a covenant now? Let's read. Another evidence to show that you're not fully in a covenant. You're in a grace period. That covenant will be established, but it is not in effect right now like that. But you can practice. You can practice love. You can practice purpose. Um, you know, some of us do the baptism. We do the water submersion. All of that is nice and it's good steps. But don't believe that you are in a new covenant just yet. And here's why. Ezekiel 36. Anyone that has done a water baptism, you're going to have to do it again. Let's check that out. Ezekiel 36, verse 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they have shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they have polluted it. And I scattered them amongst the heathen. Guess where we are now? Scattered amongst the heathen. And they were dispersed through the countries according to their ways and according to their doings. I judged them. And when they entered in unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. Here we are. The booty popping and all that stuff that's going on that you see. All of the disrespect. All of there ain't no God. All of the, the disrespect is written in here. They profaned my holy name when they went, when, when they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. <clears throat> but I have pity for my holy name. This is the grace which the house of Israel have profaned amongst the heathen whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I did not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned amongst the heathen, whither you went. So it's not because you 
are free from the law is not because you are righteous by just saying pray and sanctify by the blood of Jesus. It's none of that. It's because he like, you know what, man? They still saying that y'all my people and y'all making me look real bad amongst these people. So what is he going to do? 23. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned amongst the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, save the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. And I will take you from amongst the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. You still in the land of the captivity. So how are you in a new covenant? Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, the real baptism. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And what? A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. That's when you're going to be in covenant. When you're removed from out of this wicked land, when he cleans you up in the wilderness and then changes your heart. Until then, you're not in covenant. You're in grace. You're practicing. So hopefully that's clear. Verse 26 again. A new heart will I also give you. Because remember the new heart he spoke about in Jeremiah 31, 31. Not according to the covenant you made with your fathers, but I will put my law in their inward parts. Well, here it is. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. That's the new covenant. Right now, don't believe the hype. Is grace. And there is practicing in the flesh of the laws. You try to keep what you can. But don't let nobody tell you that you're in a new covenant. That's not true. We are not being held accountable to the terms of the old covenant because that covenant was entered into for its time and a price was paid to break that covenant, the crucifixion of the Messiah. Just like the blood of animals were once accepted as sacrifice for sins, his was accepted. Let's read that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. It says... The Holy Spirit this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. What does that all mean? That means that when Moses and them built the tabernacle and they was doing the service for God and he sprinkled the blood on the people. And when all of that was set up, the way into the real holiest of all to, to access the most high was not made manifest. They were practicing back then. It was a earthly replica of a heavenly reality. But they were doing the services. It was all good. But they were practicing righteousness. The holiest of them all is where the Most High dwell. And that was not made manifested while that tabernacle was standing. Which was a figure for the time then present. 
in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So while the Levites was doing their thing and the turtle dove and the people and the garments and all that, your conscience, your spirit, the clean heart, the pure spirit was not made manifest. The way to the most high God was not made manifest. Which stood those things back then in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. So I made that statement. I made the statement that it was entered into for its time until a price was paid. That tabernacle was there for a season. The season ended when Christ was crucified. We are waiting in various lands for redemption, deliverance, and when we are before the creator, after he cleans us up, you will enter into a new covenant. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come as a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So he entered really into heaven. And for you who are interested in reading that, that's Revelations 5, he entered into heaven for real before the father and received us and received power over the whole entire planet very very profound for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkle the unclean sanctified to the purification of the flesh he's saying if you took some blood and some 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 put it in a basin and sprinkle it on the people talking about what we read earlier about Moses, if that sanctified the, and purified the people, how much more shall the blood of Christ or the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to the Most High, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If a blood of an animal was able to do it, then what about the blood of a savior? What about the blood of a man? A lot of people say, ain't no man could save you. No man. But the same ones is reading and professing that an animal could be sacrificed for you. So an animal could be sacrificed you, but a man cannot. Total foolishness. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. You see, they're putting the word testament. It should say covenant. They wrong for that. It should say, for he is the mediator of a new covenant. And by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay, I'll stop there. You can read the rest down to 26 um, at your leisure.
But the point being that you're not in the new covenant yet. But Christ, the Messiah being the gateway, we will be under that in due season. Some are practicing this new covenant. We got a new covenant of love. We will be practicing this new covenant. We will be in covenant with each other. We will be of service to one another. We will be practicing. We will be supporting each other. But as a nation, the bond of the covenant that we're reading about that was done during Moses has not been done yet as a nation, but it will be done as we read once we're cleaned up. We are being prepared to enter into the new covenant and will be obligated to operate in love and spirit while also keeping our bodies in sync with the original written covenant. Why am I saying that? But Kashab, you just finished saying that we're not going to be under the old covenant. We will be accountable when we are in the new covenant to also discipline our bodies. It's not going to be what is going on now where people are just self-proclaiming themselves to be exempt from obedience to the law. The law is still good for the disciplining of the flesh, but you cannot justify yourself. You can't say that because you're keeping law and another man is not keeping law, that you are somehow more righteous than him or her. That's what's being removed. The self-justification, the self-righteousness is going to be removed. Okay. And so to show that we will be doing both, you can read that in Revelations 15. It says in verse 3, And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And so the song of Moses was the written law, and the song of the Lamb, the Messiah, is the Spirit. So you will have the written carnal law for the disciplining of the body and the spirit law which was the original law for the navigation of the conscience can't be running around keeping law and you don't have a conscience and don't know what you're doing so we must and should enter into covenant with each other to help hold each other accountable to help with purpose why are we talking about covenant, Kashab? You just finished saying that we're not under any covenant. Yeah, the nation isn't under a covenant, but we should and and must practice um, behaving as covenanted people. We should behave as if we are in the wilderness, as if we have been delivered, because what's stopping us from operating godly with one another and living a life of purpose? So, what type of covenant should we enter into each other? Well, for purpose. Redemption. Both getting us in order and helping others to be redeemed. A covenant of freedom. So that you're not out here slaving until you're 70 and just to be left with nothing but a hospital bill. We should be helping in self-governance because the UN even tells you that you have the right to self-determination. Um, I believe that the, the way of the European nations is contrary to the ways of black and brown people. Um, the way, the, 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 the disposition, the culture, the food, the vibration, that's not us. 
And because we're living under that governance, we're getting sick, we're getting distorted. We don't understand the very basics of natural relationship between parent and child. Because we're picking up on the television, we're picking up on the content, the ways, even the food, which distorts your thinking. They don't behave like that in certain African country. They don't behave like that in the scriptures. But we have been uh, morphed into these creations of their imaginations. So what do we need to do? Self-governance. These are the things we're entering into covenant with each other for, for unity, for logistical support. You know, if somebody's living in the Southeast, we should have a group of us meeting and gathering in the Southeast. Maybe we'll grab some land in the Southeast. There's some of us in the Midwest. So you don't have to pick up and move where everybody is. It'll be decentralized, but nonetheless, you should be able to have logistical support. Whether you're elderly, whether you have children, whether you're disabled, whatever your situation, even if you're able-bodied, we should have logistical support. And mutual aid. They had those coming out of slavery. They had mutual aid societies where they would bury um, and take care of the widows, uh, take care of the, of the, of the, of the dead, um, take care of the children, the orphans. Like These things were in place. Back in the 1800s, fresh out of slavery, they had them. Some states that had early say up to 1808, some of the brothers organized that. Philadelphia, Long Island organized these uh, societies to, to help each other. Then there's us, and we go fund me everybody to death. Go fund me and COVID don't work together because you're going to see a timeline of all kinds of requests, and it gets tired. We don't have to do that. We should be able to put resources together to make sure that they are present. Okay. What other things are we covenant with each other for? Culture, marriages, lifestyle. Yeah, we should be able to intermarry with each other. You should be able to marry your sons and daughters together. You should be able to marry each other. What are we looking all across the globe for? Well, we're in agreement here, but we're in agreement there. We're in agreement here conceptually and doctrinally and everything else, but I'm going to marry somebody from over here doesn't make any sense legacy and generational uh covenants that's where the children come in the product of those unions the product of that thinking what is required commitment of time money knowledge and experience what is going to be gotten out of it a system of redemption a system of support and we're literally working on that as we speak so well, Kashab, that sounds like an interesting concept. I've never heard that before. Well, let's read it. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And we're going to leave some time for Q&A after. I don't know if I went over. Oh, we got time. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And some of these future classes, some of you guys are going to have to read. I know you guys have really great voices. But um, we're going to need some people to step forward and do some reading so that um, we get some diversity up in here. Okay. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, And a multitude of them that believed 
were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said they, neither said any of them, that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord and Messiah. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any amongst them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Jose, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, who is being interpreted the sons of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyrus, having sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, no one's saying for you to bring and lay anything at anybody's feet, but we're saying if you have resources, if you have talent, if you have knowledge, if you have time, that's what's needed so that we can scale what we're doing, so that we can do more of the work, so that we can bring more people uh, out of this prison that they're in and redeem them, and so that we can create a bigger support system. It's not rocket science, but it's required. Now, for those who have obligations, default obligations, you have to put your current obligations in perspective. Default relationships in the flesh with family, friends, mates, and others must be re-evaluated because you're in covenants that you are not necessarily clear on and that you do not necessarily agree on. They should be re-evaluated, discussed, and confirmed with an actual covenant now with your eyes wide open. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no more man after the flesh. Oh, that's my cousin, you know, that's my mom, that's my brother. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. You are according to your spirit. Who are you will be determined by your behavior, by your covenant, not your DNA. Now, you could give a little extra ear if you want to DNA, but DNA, some of these people who allow these spirits to possess them will send you to the grave. So I don't, DNA is not the only standard, but we can consider, but you're going to have to come with it. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more after the flesh. Because this is a spirit thing. What is the spirit you're moving in? What is the spirit of what you want to do? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remained that both they that have wives be as though they have none. There's a frame of mind. To be caught up, up under your woman's armpit is just not what we're supposed to be doing all the time. You have to put your priorities and your covenant in perspective. This is redemption time. Okay, you can have your relationship, you spend a little, but this, oh, you know, me, you know, the wife, and, and uh, oh, you know, the what is the work that we're doing? You can have your relationship in purpose, but in your covenant, don't get caught up in just being booed up, and you're good now. You're not even looking to redeem 
or to do any of the work of the father. Okay. The marriage should be a ministry. Mark 3.33. And he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brother? This is the Messiah. And he looked around about them which sat about him and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. Because his mother and his brother, this is the Messiah, was outside. Tell him, try to cook. Can, can you come out for a second? I want, I want to talk to you. Like, who, who calling me? Yeah? Man, if you're doing the will of my father, then you get that rank. That's how you gauge who is your family and what covenants you're in, as far as I'm concerned. But can I tell y'all to do that? God can only tell you. Verse 35. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. Thank you all for watching the presentation. We will be doing more of these. Also, inquire about the Family Government Agency. That will be the support mechanism that we will use to take care of all the things that we need to take care of in a kind of a um, non-covenanted scenario, make like a membership. But then we have another organization when we do enter into actual written covenant that will start to build and develop other people. Most of you who are on this call are in the inner circle, so you will be getting that build, but we still have to put our covenants in writing with witnesses so we know what we are doing, okay? But the goal is to develop and to build us, and the us is probably about 15 people, um, and then other people as we redeem them set them up as they enter into covenant so thank you all um i'm going to open up for any questions any thoughts any comments um you guys have the mic what is on your mind oh look at all well i couldn't see the chats what y'all got here okay i see you jabrita okay Brazil, three years, okay. I, I'm late on some of these comments. So, mic is open. Um, how do you break covenants? Um, I hope I answer that towards the end. If not, um, you have to have that discussion because you just can't break them. But, and uh, you have to have the discussion. You have to hold people accountable. You got to ask them, what are we doing? Um, if you made a covenant in the world, you're going to have to go through the world's process to break it. But you have to have these discussions. It's very serious um, wherever you're obligated. Okay. And be clear on where you're obligated. And don't just deal with the people in your family. We have state-based obligations. Um, if you guys ever read Jeremiah 20, 28, 15, I think it speaks about the covenant that we have with death. We're in a covenant with the world. And this world is death. Because the people who run it are dead, spiritually. So everything that comes out of it is death. And we got to break that too. So not just the family ones, but also these state-based and government-based covenants that we enter into. Okay, so hopefully I answered that. Um, Jeremiah, yes, it was 31, verse 31 to 34. Hebrews 9, okay, we have all of those. Um, okay, so any questions? Thoughts, comments, feedback. You have the floor. Well, I don't have any um, any questions. Thank you for answering the question that I submitted. But Come on, guys. I, 
I, I do want to say um, that was an excellent. Sabrina, did you have a comment? Yeah. Can you hear me? If you're speaking, you might be muted. I can hear her. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't hear her? Can you hear us? Comments? Um, no. I don't think you can hear us. Is it me or I can't hear anybody? Maybe someone send them a chat. Can you all hear me? That's a, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, so I can hear everybody and, and Kashal. Hold on. Okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I hear you guys now. What you got? Okay, wonderful. wonderful. So, so I, I was actually, I, was actually I, I didn't have I didn't a have question. question. Thank you Thank for you answering, answering. Um, the question that I had. But I just wanted to say that it was a, uh, definitely an excellent, excellent, excellent presentation. Um, there was a lot that I learned that I didn't quite understand about covenants and how um, covenants work and intertwine. My first interaction with understanding or learning about covenant was in the church. And so it brought a lot of uh, clarity and perspective um, on the differences between God's way or, um, you know, um, God's way of covenant versus the world's uh, system of what they establish as law and covenant, which are bound through contract versus um, the spiritual covenant uh, side. So thank you so much for bringing that um, perspective and giving the clarity and understanding on um, covenant today. So thank you. My pleasure. Okay. Anyone else? Darrell, did you have a comment? Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, yeah, I I just appreciate this whole, you know, presentation that you did as well, Kashab. I mean, I've been taking a lot of notes and trying to really process a lot of this stuff. And it makes so much sense. I mean, I just didn't even understand all of these covenants that we have with the state. Like, you really broke it down with things that I didn't even realize we're in contract with, you know, all the way from the birth with the birth certificate. And, uh, um, you know, so it's a lot of um, studying that I want to do and processing this and just looking up the scriptures again and just really absorbing this and, and taking action. Gotcha. There's a lot of action to take, <laughs> you know? That's where the redemption comes in and that's why we're calling it the redemption because we are somehow slipped into a covenant. Mm -hmm. So slavery ended, but then they re-upped the slavery when you're born. Exactly. And you, and you don't even realize that someone is holding a receipt for no. you. I never knew that. I mean, from birth, that's real deep, so. Absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And, you know, we'll have the replay um, mm -hmm. of this and we'll get it to get it to you guys. Good. Good. Okay. Um, anyone else? Any other comment before we wrap up? Alex? Well, I was going to say, you know, it's fitting time for us to um, hear this as we're going into what seems to be a new, new covenant with, um, in society with this whole new normal coming. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a great time just to reflect and pull out. Mm -hmm. Agreed. 
and 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 that pullout is a is is something that is so um, tangible and so accessible. Um, it doesn't have to be just. A matter of fact, um, the way they do it in their system is um, they allow people to baptize. That's why when people like in the Catholic Church, for example, baptize, and I'm not condoning or condemning. I'm saying that in the Catholic Church, when you baptize, they give people a new name. They actually try to do what spiritually was supposed to happen, but they they fall short. So the when you baptize into the Catholic Church, you can get your name, and that certificate that they give you when you baptize is a legal document. We have a level that we have to go that's just as effective that really pulls you out. And then all future scenarios need to not be put in. And you don't have to put in, you don't have to participate. So you're correct. Um, what they're calling the new normal or the new world order, uh, whatever new plan that they have um, is really the father and giving us the option of how we want this new thing to play out. So you can have a new um, normal that you create. You can have a new world order that is of the father. So all the stuff they talk about, we can apply the terms our way. Um, and it's going to take some bravery, but nonetheless, we do not have to participate in the way that everyone else participates. Okay. So, um, so thank you for that, Alex. Any other comment? You mentioned um, <clears throat> when they gave you that name, like when you say when the baptism, you said there's a way to undo that. Is that what you just mentioned? Yeah. <clears throat> there's a way to undo all of it. There's a way to exit and not participate and still be good. Now, that's not going to be discussed in this call, but I'm telling you that you don't have to participate. Mm -hmm. So that's the beauty of it is the father showed the way out. And so as we pull the older generation out, the newer generation should not be entered in. So the grandchildren, some of us who still want to have children, they don't have to be entered in. And it's legal. It's no hocus pocus. It's no funny business. They recognize it, but they're not going to let you be self-determined if you're not going to do the work. They're not going to package your self-determination and give it to you. What they package and give you is the state. This is what we do over here. You want this? You got to do it this way. You want that? This is what we doing over here. What y'all doing over there? Oh, we just, I don't know. We trying to change what y'all doing. It's not going to happen. Got to do the work. So I can only go that, that far with it on this um, platform. Um, that That is really, really, really powerful. Um, I'm like the young lady that spoke and she said that she has a lot of homework and digging to do. It's, it's a lot of introspective work as well because... Um, you know, you really have to consider and think about all of the covenants that you have made and are still in, um, in your own ignorance and just not knowing. And so, um, it, it's a lot, but that's really, really powerful. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, um, what we, you know, what's to come down, down the line. So thank you again. Very welcome. So hallelujah. Um, yes. We will end there. Um, give thanks and praise to the Most High for his direction um, mm -hmm. and for uh, for all of you 
people see the value in this conversation and um, in what is being done low-key, not really a um, flamboyant um, type. So a lot of this stuff is very powerful, but it's stuff that is really not for everybody to even hear. But I'm honored to be of service to you all, and I believe that when you all begin to see the picture of what it is, it will be mind-blowing and very much liberating. Um, and, and very much in sync with what's written supposed to happen in this time. So honored to be of service to you all. Um, also wanted to give a special thank you to Rafaela because she jumped in and, um, and all of the slides that you guys seen, uh, we tag team and she gets it done. And so she deserves her props uh, for jumping in, no complaint and knocking that stuff out. So every slide that you've ever seen on any of these Zoom platforms, she has put in her work and she deserves to be recognized for that. So thank you, Rafaela, for that. Um, and I look forward to the next class. I don't know when it will be, uh, but it won't be too long um, because we need to do more of this feeding so that we can understand the picture and the vision of what it is that we have to do. So hallelujah, praise the most high. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday and we will talk soon.